podcast on the iPhone Pro. I'm gonna swipe till I can't no more. I'm gonna spend my cash on the iPhone Pro. I'm gonna swipe till I can't no more. Three cameras in the back. Yeah, it's looking whack. I don't give a fact. I'm gonna spend a G today. 5G in a year. I don't really care. Fanboys of the year. They gon' spin a G today Can't nobody tell them nothing They spending something iPhone Pro better be something Or feel like nothing's changed I'm gonna spend my cash on the iPhone Pro I'm gonna swipe till I can't no more I'm gonna spend my cash on the iPhone Pro I'm gonna swipe till I can't no more Oh my god, what was that? Hey, what was that at the beginning of the show, everybody? That was just crazy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most. It is episode 88. And what you heard at the beginning of the show was the iPhone 11 Pro Old Town Road remix parody BTZ style iPhone 11 Pro music video. Now, I dropped it on my YouTube channel so you can check it out. Um, and why I led with the show, yeah, it's fun. So hopefully you're still listening for those of you that are here. But it was a fun way to really experiment with the iPhone 11 Pro. Now, before we get to the show, you can support this podcast, the Apple Bits XL, at patreon.com slash Tong. It starts at $2 per month, $5, 10 25 $100. But what are the main benefits? Well, first of all, I've got some exclusive goods for you at different levels. You get early access to my content, plus you get completely ad-free versions of this podcast. You don't hear any of this stuff if you're a Patreon supporter. So, Thank you so much for your support. I'm doing this independent, and I'd love your help and be grateful for it so I can keep on doing it. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's jump into the show and the iPhone 11, iPhone 11 Pro, iPhone 11 Pro Max, Apple Watch Series 5, Apple Arcade, iPad OS, TV OS, iOS 13. They're all out now. There is so much stuff going on right now, but... We're going to touch upon a lot of those. I wanted to kind of just rewind for a second and jump back to talking about the music video because you want you want to check it out on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Brian Tong. And the reason why, for those of you that haven't or um, are curious about that, hopefully you're still here after listening to that crazy song. But we used an iPhone 11 Pro entirely to shoot the entire music video. We didn't use any third-party lenses. We did not use any third-party software. So we used the native camera app. We used uh, 24 frames per second 4K video setting in the settings of iOS 13. So there was no Filmic Pro app used for this. We had no light special lighting. We just used the lighting that was available to us on site. We went to the Calico Ghost Town in uh, Yermo, California, about two and a half hours outside of Los Angeles. But I, we really wanted to push ourselves. And when I say we, it's myself and my buddy Jay Julio that helps me out with some of the shoots. And we really wanted to see what is this iPhone 11 Pro really capable of. And when you look at the quality 
that we put out there. We The only other tool we had was a handheld DJI Osmo Mobile 3 gimbal. It's their handheld gimbal. It's their new super portable one that folds up. It's like $120. So two guys, a DJI, DJI gimbal and an iPhone 11 Pro made those visuals for the music video happen. And it really was a test to see how good this was. And it really made me be like, wow, this is an amazing tool. Just an amazing tool using the ultra wide length, ultra wide lens for different things. And so I encourage you to check that out. I encourage you to check out my review because after we did that music video, I was genuinely surprised by how good the functionality and the seamlessness of the iPhone 11 pro triple lens camera was. Now, I don't watch other reviewers' videos because I don't want them to plant ideas in my head or even say things that they say. And so I try to approach it as, you know, with little information as possible as I can. And so that my review is truly feels original and authentic to me and doesn't pull from others. And I was just, I was surprised. I didn't think the camera system was going to be that good and it, it's great. And then the battery life is amazing. You can watch it all in my review. I think the big thing though is I'm not trying to say, hey, you need to upgrade your iPhone right now. I came from a 10 iPhone 10 whose lens shattered. I couldn't, it happened multiple times for whatever reason. Apple Care was no longer good on mine. So I bought the 10, or sorry, I get all mixed up sometimes. I bought the 11 Pro uh, with the idea that I was going to review it and possibly keep it, but I have been using a 10R for a while. That lens system and that battery was was like, okay, this is a phone worth keeping. They were subtle upgrades. I know I was like, the 2020 iPhone is the one you should get, and I still believe the 2020 iPhone is the one you should get. Most people don't need to still upgrade and should be more than happy with their phone if it's performing well, and you're, if you're not unhappy with it, there's no need to upgrade. But this, but if you're really the person that has to have the best you know, camera system, photography, video, videography on a phone, the iPhone 11 Pro is right up there, if not arguably the best when you look at it as an entire system and how it works together and the quality that you're getting. It's uh, I was pretty amazed by it, and I'm it's 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 really good. And people might say, "Oh, you're changing your tune." Well, that's the whole point of a review, guys. It's to actually see if the product delivers or not. And I remember when the iPhone XS came out, I'm like, "There's no way I'm upgrading to XS from a 10." It came out and the proof was in the pudding. The 10s was not worthy of a big enough jump from the 10 to the 10s. Um, if you're a photographer person, you might consider going from a 10 to an iPhone 11 Pro. So you can all jump into my review. It's tons of in-depth stuff, other nuggets, but it was really, really enlightening and I was genuinely surprised. So we're gonna start with that, but we have so much. We're gonna hit every kind of big thing that has come out. Reviews are out. I'm still working on my Apple Watch review. I just kind of want to give it a few more days and then I'll shoot it this weekend. So Apple Watch Series 5 review will be coming soon. But the big, kind of a big story that might be related to Apple, but is still within the tech world and affects Apple. Amazon had their big fall 2019 event in, um, in Seattle, in Washington. And um, I think what was really interesting about this, they are really, it's, you know, the old uh, all black everything, it's all Alexa everything for Amazon. They released a variety of things, a new Echo Studio, which is 
basically their version of the Apple HomePod slash Sonos Move, right? This kind of big booming stereo. But the Echo Studio speaker is really interesting to me because itself is Dolby Atmos equipped. It supports 3D audio. And if you aren't familiar with 3D audio, it's not common, but certain songs are recorded in 3D audio that are really a whole lot more immersive. The best way that I can describe it is it sounds like Dolby Atmos, but for music, if that makes sense. So they have this new speaker that's coming out. Uh, It's $199. That is a direct aim. They're targeting Apple directly. The other thing they had that was a direct targeted Apple was the Echo Buds. Now, they're a little bulkier, but they're their own hands-free headphones that also use the Alexa Assistant. And for someone like me whose home is completely retro, not retrofitted, but fitted with Alexa products, this is an interesting, compelling product. Battery life, 20 hours. The case is obviously going to be a little bigger, five hours of continuous battery life, but $129. So there's going to be a market for that as well. The wireless earbud space is so competitive now with everyone. You have AirPods, you have Apple's own, uh, the Powerbeats Pro, you have Samsung Buds, you have Echo Buds, Bose has some, Jaybird has some. There's a lot of people in the mix in this space. So Amazon, two products specifically going towards Apple. That's going to be interesting to see how they are because a lot of early buzz around the Echo Studio product, which is even larger than the Apple HomePod, most people are saying it sounds better. And so that's compelling for me, for someone who does have a HomePod, who uses it once in a while to listen to music, but I got it when it was like refurbished for under $200 from some weird freakish Best Buy sale a long time ago. I mean, that Echo Studio sounds like the one that I want to get. You know me, I'm a huge Dolby Atmos freak, so I'm going to be a 3D audio freak as well when it comes to music. And I'm just really curious to see how this works. It has microphones in it to detect the layout of the room and then optimize the sound just like a lot of these smart speakers from Sonos and Apple do as well. So they have those. I just wanted to mention because it is kind of fun. Amazon's going to throw quirky stuff at you as well. Now, these are not going to be initially for sale. You have to kind of sign up. It's, I think the program is called like a day one adopter or something like that where you just sign up for it in hopes of being able to trial it out. Amazon's putting out Echo Frames, which are Alexa-enabled eyeglasses that play music. All right, They don't have any display or a camera or anything like that, but you can chat with Alexa without getting out your phone. They start at 179 So there are the Echo Frames. They remind me of the Bose Frames or the Bose Glasses that have audio in them, um, but they have Alexa. Then the Echo Loop, it is a black ring. It's a black ring. It's a smart ring, okay? It nudges you with vibrations. It has a titanium frame. It's kind of bulky because it has to support a lot of stuff, but it has a haptic engine, two microphones. It has a little mini speaker, and you kind of have to hold it up to your ear to listen to. But it's a smart ring for $129. I'm actually kind of fascinated about it, by this. I wear rings. I don't know if I'm going to wear the Echo Loop. I don't even think that thing would really fit my fingers, not because I have small hands, but I just, I'm very curious about that and what sizing they offer. But a smart ring, the first thing that I saw about saw it, like the nerd in me 
the super comic book like freak that I am was like, this was a huge missed opportunity, a huge one to do like some kind of cool partnership with DC Comics and basically talk into it like with the Green Lantern Oath. You know what I'm talking about, right? In Brightest Day, Blackest Night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Boom. When you charge, when he charges it in the lantern. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, fine. Anyways, Amazon has a, a variety. They put, they have a new smart oven, not a microwave now. They have an Alexa-enabled smart oven. They have an Alexa-enabled ring indoor camera, a plug wall outlet that also has Alexa, their new Wi-Fi acquisition of Eero, um, some glowing light, and then another Echo Show that's an eight-inch, you know, the screen. I don't really know anyone that uses the Echo Show just because their platform for video, your people just didn't really jump on board with that. But hey, they have it. Some people do. Um, it's probably the most compelling thing to me, though, was the Echo Dot, right? The little small, skinny, small one that has a clock on it, that has a digital clock that you can see through that mesh material. They don't have it on the larger, regular Echo, um, which I was kind of like, what? But they have it on the small little dot. They should have put on that one that's like six inches tall, but has a clock on it. That's probably the most useful thing that an Echo could have, but they only put on the dot. Anyways, when I look at what Amazon put out there, it speaks to their philosophy and how it differentiates from Apple because Echo has always wanted to basically Alexa everything, give everyone access to it, make it an open platform. You have all these developers and companies that were instantly able to make their products Alexa compatible. Apple has their own different walled garden kind of philosophy. We've seen them open up more, but the problem with the HomePod and Siri, it is so closed. They only work with limited partners is you can't have that breath, those breadth of products. And those are just from Amazon that they announced. Like, they just open the floodgates. They continue to keep it completely open. And that's why they're the number one smart device, you know, uh, platform right now. And it doesn't look like Apple's going to catch up anymore. Apple's been making little improvements here and there, which I like. But man, and yes, Apple does look out for your privacy. That's part of it. But you look at what Amazon was doing. I was like, wow. Now they're not going to stop people from buying AirPods anytime soon. They're not even going to stop Amazon's executives from wearing AirPods during an interview with Bloomberg. Okay, so (laughs) here's the thing, right? Amazon has their own Echo Buds, their own wireless earbuds. But Amazon executive Dave Limp was doing an interview with Bloomberg, and he was on camera, and he was talking about Amazon's new products and services he was he was wearing an AirPod, and here's the thing. Everyone jumped on him on Twitter for it because they're just going to see a still image, and it says, Amazon exec uses AirPods in interview. And yeah, they're right. It's It looks really bad. I'm going to tell you, though, at the same time, knowing the TV industry, I'm guessing that he was wearing the AirPod in one ear because that was the only setup that Bloomberg had for him to listen to uh, be to talk to the studio over the air and get their questions while he was being recorded. Guess what? That's, again, how ubiquitous Apple is, where when you have to do an interview about your own product that is a competing product, because it's not set up and it's not ready to go, you got to use AirPods? 
It's a bad look either way. I would have refused to do it. I would have said, give me a headset or something, but I don't even care if you had to wear a physical wire. But don't wear a competitor's product when you just announced your own wireless earbuds. I mean, come on. You cannot do that. You know what's coming for him. That's a bad apple. It's horrible. So anyways, it was kind of a fun thing that the internet got loose with. They definitely got loose with. Okay, so we have all those things, how it affects Apple. Remember, Apple still has not announced that they're doing any type of October event, but we have so many products that are lined up. A potential rumored 16-inch MacBook Pro, potential new iPad Pros. Uh, What else is, oh, the release of the Mac Pro and the XDR display. And finally, um, what configurations and pricings will there be also? Will we actually see the Apple tags? Because remember, Apple's keynote invite said buy innovation only. I guarantee you they would not have made that the tagline if they were not going to show off those Apple tag location devices. They they just, you wouldn't be that bold. Or maybe they would and they don't even care anymore. They're like, we're just going to write whatever we want. But if they're at their next event, I think the tagline should be tag, you're it. Ooh, yeah. And if they do, you heard it first here, okay? All right. So Apple, still potential event coming. What about, this 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 kind of grosses me out. What about 2020? <laughs> you know the rumor mills, they don't stop. They never stop. We've, we already know kind of what we've heard and expect from the iPhone 2020. Well, Ming-Chi Kuo, back at it again, the infamous, really more, I, I guess you could say infamous Apple analyst, He put out a report that Apple will unveil redesigned iPhones next year, boasting a new metal frame structure reminiscent of the iPhone 4. Now, when I read that, I'm all in. We've heard this story before, but I love this idea of bringing back my favorite design of the iPhone of all time, the iPhone 4. And yes, Antenna Gate was part of the iPhone 4. Get a case for it, Steve Jobs said. Oh, that was so horrible. It's I mean, if there's one that was that was gnarly. That was from that was some funny stuff. Put a case on it. Okay, Steve, thanks. Don't you know they anyways, they've resolved they they've figured it out by now. The way the antenna band works with that with that steel frame. But why I love it, I love the design. Also, the iPad Pro, if you look at the iPad Pro today, it is completely taking design cues from the iPhone 4. So Why don't we get the iPhone and the iPad at least kind of looking similar and in line with each other? I would love that. Quo says that uh, the iPhone design will be significantly changed next year. Specifically, according to the report, uh, the devices will feature a new metal frame with a more complex segmentation design, new trenching and injection molding procedures, and sapphire or glass cover assembly to protect the trench injection molding structure. So you're basically like the iPhone 4, two pieces of glass sandwiched by a metal, or not sandwiching a metal frame that connects the two. I'm all in. I'm sorry. That is, and a, yes, I'm the dude that just got an iPhone 11 Pro, but this design would be hot. We also know 5G expected to come in the 2020 iPhone potential reduction of the notch, right? 
another major selling point, maybe some sort of fingerprint display. I think that's still coming way later. Also a new, a fourth rear camera on the iPhone for 2020 that would have a a time of flight 3D camera to really help them with their augmented reality and improve the overall camera experience. Uh, Portrait mode got a lot better in the iPhone 11 Pro. So if you start adding like a 3D camera that can sense even more of those objects it's looking at, portrait mode on the iPhone 11 Pro now actually works on more items. Like it can... It'll try the three the portrait mode effect on my hand, on toys, on other things without really forcing it. Um, food, it's it's improved. And so, if you tell me now you had a three D sensing camera to that portrait mode is going to be even a whole lot better. And that's and then the next level up is Samsung has what they call live focus video, which is bokeh effect video, which is portrait mode video real time. It's pretty sweet it give it some time you got to imagine apple's going to bring that to the table and that's going to make this camera even more dslr like when you get those buttery smooth blurred out backgrounds with video and you have a 3d sensing depth sensor on there that can then really outline the stuff that you're trying oh i'm getting i'm getting excited already that's why i keep on saying like 2020 iphone that is the big big jump so we have that thrown out there by Ming-Chi Kuo. And then Ben Geskin, who's on Twitter, who's leaked a lot of renders of the design of the iPhone, he says he put out an exclusive, a tweet saying that one of the 2020 iPhone prototypes has an even larger 6.7-inch display with face ID and the true depth camera system housed in the top bezel. You put that in the bezel. You get rid of that notch. It looks like the iPad Pro. I mean, this is the evolution that we expect to see but if you're telling me that we could see this in the 2020 iphone oh good lord i look at the renders and all these people say you know what the notch doesn't bother me i'm okay with the notch yeah i like the notch it makes it look unique shut up i'm gonna tell you right now when you see a phone without a notch without any type of pinhole camera anything it looks good It, it looks nice and we know this is coming but It's one of those things that I look at this render from Ben Geskin on his Twitter and I'm just like, yeah, I told y'all that notch was trash. Just trash, man. But I get why it's there. It's still ugly to me. But I don't, you know me, I don't complain about it too much. I, I gotta let it go. Otherwise, I'd be talking about it every show. Also, new releases this week, iOS 13 came out. It was buggy, some of my apps didn't work. This is how bad iOS 13 was for me. So if you use Gmail, which many of you do, and you use the actual Gmail app, when I hit reply to an email, I would literally just get a blank white screen and I could not reply to people on the native Gmail app on my iPhone in iOS 13. That's just trash. So a lot of people had other bugs happen. Even sometimes uh, I get where my my message app, it's sometimes turn sideways or you can't really close it or it gets hung up and you have to like force quit it it's just it's not good to anyways 13.1 then came out i know a lot of you jumped on that some people are complaining though that it's actually affecting the speed of their iphone 10s and making it slower like anything there's no major uh at least at this point in time no major bugs like it's bricking phones or causing them to crash thank goodness 
So it's better in past years, but like anything, you're gonna have some little bugs here and there. Most people have updated. I think there was a report that one in five iPhones now is already using iOS 13, and it just shows the power of the ecosystem and the power of how Apple can move their customers and their following forward. One in five, you might say, say like to yourself, that's only 20%. Well, that's 20% in like three or four days. That's pretty impressive. And then as time goes on, it continues to roll. You got people on the Android platform. I think it was something like when the new OS comes after like the first week or two, it was less than one or 2% of its user base that has the latest version of Android. And that's a different issue because there's so many different phones and models and the carrier model of when they release updates and approve them. It is a little more fragmented, right? Positives and negatives to both platforms. Anyways, iOS 13.1 is out now. In case you didn't know, iOS 13 also gets a few design changes and updates to emojis. So there's some like important emojis out there, like the um, the octopus. The octopus now gets uh, tentacles. <laughs> he gets the little suckers for the tentacles on his four tentacles. They don't show eight. So the squid emoji, sorry, the octopus emoji gets tentacles. That's, I mean, really important stuff, everybody. The squid emoji looks like a giant squid. It had this like weird siphon on its forehead and they got rid of that to make it more anatomically correct. So that was obviously very important. They've updated like the look of the hearts. If you have hearts that are incorporated into emojis, like the hearts on the eyes or the kiss heart, which I might use once in a while to my baby. They also changed the abacus colors, just uh, just some tweaks. I think the mosquito or whatever that fly is has has now six legs and it had five before, so it's anatomically correct. These are all important additions to emojis. I really should do it for as long as possible and see how long I could hold it. Uh, the new 59 brand new emojis that are expected to come out are still not out yet. Things like the sloth, the skunk, a flamingo, there's like a stick of butter, waffles, garlic, the yawn face emoji, swimsuits, kites, a banjo for my guitar. It's, those are two different things. Anyways, uh, those are expected to come out sometime in October. We don't, that's the typical pattern. The weird thing is that 13 and 13.1 came out back to back. And that was, Apple even knew that even in the developers builds, 13.1 was out before 13 came out to the public. And that's because clearly they knew there were a lot of bugs happening. In the past, new emojis came out with the 0.1 release of iOS, but this time they aren't because Apple had to bump up iOS 13.1 because of all those bugs. So we'll see when it comes out. October is the expected date. Now, for those of you who have devices that were not updated to iOS 13, basically these devices missed the cut and were no longer compatible. Apple just released iOS 12.4.2 for a handful handful of some of these older iPhones and iPad models that were not compatible with iOS 13. So things like the iPad Air, iPad Mini 2, iPad Mini 3, and you have things like the 6th Gen iPod Touch, iPhone 5S, iPhone 6, and iPhone 6 Plus. Those devices do not have iOS 13 support, but... They're getting an iOS 
2 update uh, for security bug. Also, Apple Watches, Apple Watch Series 1 and Series 2, they uh, there's a 5.3.2 release for those at the moment. I had read, though, I swear that Apple Ser- Watch Series 2 was compatible with Watch OS 6, and they did say that they will get Watch OS 6 for it later this fall, but at least right now, 5.3.2 is there. All right, let's take some time to thank the sponsor of the show, and that would be you. Thank you so much to everyone at patreon.com slash Brian Tong, who supported my independent work starting at $2 per month. Again, you can support me at $5, $10, $25, $100. It allows me to do all of the crazy kind of creative work that I've done from a standpoint of, yeah, we got to do a music video, but also the videos I put out weekly, the audio podcast that I put out weekly, all my content is literally supported by you and I couldn't do it without you. And so thank you so much. I'm so grateful. But benefits, benefits that we talk about, exclusive access to specific, I guess you call them rewards. If you want to listen to, I have two other songs that I have not yet released that I will release to my Patreon supporters first before we make the music videos. We have benefits like that. Um, A nice little decal, signed photo, things like that. But also early access to my content and then completely ad-free version of this podcast. So this thing that you're hearing right now, you'll never have to hear it again. It starts at $2 per month, $5. 10 25 100 the platinum apple level whatever you would be able to support i thank you so much for that so check it out patreon.com slash brian tong all right we keep on rolling we know the apple watch series 5 is out i told you my review will be shot this weekend and then we'll put it up we're going to try something a little different and original for it because you know i don't want to do what everyone else does we have teardowns by iFixit, and initially iFixit had said, you know, there's really not much different inside the Apple Watch. And it to our point and to my point of why, if you have a Series 4, you do not need to go to a Series 5 unless, unless you got to have that always-on watch face. I'm going to tell you right now before my review, um, the always-on is all right. I, it's not a game changer for me. It'll be nice to have when that next next gen Apple Watch comes out. Now, if you're someone who has a three, a two, a one, or zero, and you're ready to upgrade it, you've got to get the Series 5 just because it's the latest. But I would still, I know, I would still argue, maybe you just get the Series 4 because with the always-on display, it actually shrinks down in size, which makes it a little hard to see. And when I flip my wrist, by the time this always-on display fills out the screen and brings up the full brightness it's the same amount of time as when i would flip my wrist without an always on display so i don't think it makes that much of a big difference for me and yeah i would say oh go and get a series 4 well there's a reason why apple is taking the series 4 watches off the market and only offering a 5 and a 3 because they're so similar the processor is the same it's really all about the display there's a compass in it okay that's fine but i fix it broke down the Apple Watch and found that the always-on display and really the differences in the display tech is not even visible to the human eye. You have to really, really look closely to see the differences. There is a ambient light sensor embedded under the OLED panel um, that is mo- that is going to help it as well. There's also um, the compass we talked about, the battery in the Series 4 versus the Series 5. The battery in the 44-millimeter screen size model is 
1.4% larger. So that battery difference is pretty much negligible. I think the biggest thing that they don't talk about is that the Series 5 has 32 gigs of storage up from 16 gigs of storage. So that would be like if you're storing not only apps, but actually downloading songs that are on your phone from music you've purchased or owned that then go to the watch. It's now 32 gigs of storage instead of 16. That 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 will make a difference in usability. So there you go. Not much big diff- not much stuff there. But then when we talk about the 40 millimeter Apple Watch, the smaller screen, the battery has is a new design for that and it's 10% more capacity. So okay. Maybe maybe some of you 40 millimeter watch people might be like, oh, that's worth it. But I'm just saying, if you have a Series 4, you're fine. Everyone else, I think it's a great upgrade if you're ready to do it. And if you can, I'm telling you to go find a Series 4 before they're all gone. That's all I'm saying. Because so far from what I've done, it's, uh, I'm definitely just, I'll, I'll just watch my review. What Watch all of a sudden, I'm going to be like a few days later, I'm keeping the Series 5. I'm just kidding. I don't know yet. We'll figure it out when we shoot it. All right. Other big thing that came out, Apple Arcade officially launched. I'm going to tell you right now, Apple Arcade is a dope service. Not only is it dope, it's a great gaming service. Now, I don't have all the time in the world to play games anymore because I'm creating content. I'm doing all this stuff. But this is like the mobile games on there are high quality. It's $4.99 a month. You can share it between five people. The games on there are, there's no monetization where you have to, you know, buy extra coins or jewels to upgrade and help speed up. These are just games that you can enjoy and they're clever and unique and visually stunning. I think Apple Arcade is a home run for people that want to game more. It's really, if you like what, I think there's around 53 games that launched. If you even like two or three, it's already worth the price and they're going to keep on bringing in new ones. There's a lot of special stuff there. So Apple Arcade, is it absolutely, absolutely a good apple for me. Yes. It feels good to get a good apple once in a while. Now, also what came out this week, Mario Kart Tour has launched the mobile version of the game. That is free to start to play. But, you know, guess what? It has a gold patch subscription level. So, again, if you want to unlock the faster 200cc mode, um, there's also, like, badges and in-game items you can try it out for a two-week trial, but the gold pass will cost $4.99 a month, which is the same price as Apple Arcade. Now, you could be a real junkie. I'm not telling you like how to spend your money. If you're a Mario Kart junkie, fine, but $4.99 for that or $4.99 for Apple Arcade, that's kind of crazy, right? So Mario Kart is out. It's cool. It's fun. It's not. I wish it was more of a, a driver where I could steer a little better, but fine. It's it's a mobile game. It's fun, but Nintendo still needs to listen to me. They need to start putting their library out on there and sp- charging like five, ten bucks for the game. Oh, it would be nice. Also, real nice. This is kind of a personal thing that maybe I'm just loving. TVOS 13, that update is out for the Apple TV. It rolled out a couple days ago. But also, I don't know. I feel like this is one of those underrated things about Apple TV. The screensavers are just really pretty. They're super, super... Gorgeous, and now with a TV OS 13, the underwater screensavers that were helped made in cooperation with the BBC, there are 10 of them that are out. 
They look amazing. I think the first one that I got is the seal. If you ever, the thing about the screensavers on Apple TV is there's actually a setting you have to go to in order to continuously download the screensaver. So if you go in your settings and then you go to screen general, I think then you go to screensavers and then you can pick by default, it only downloads a new one monthly, but you can set it to daily and you'll get all these amazing screensavers. There's like a jellyfish one. There's a barracuda one, just beautiful stuff. There's a kelp forest and then the seals one. They all, if you're an underwater, like I'm an ocean lover, you're going to love these things. So check it out. It's completely free. TVOS 13. Very cool. And then I think the biggest bugaboo that they did with TVOS 13 that I don't know why they needed to do this, but normally when you press that home button on Apple TV, it takes you back to your home screen. But in TVOS 13, Apple now changed that by default to go to the Apple TV app, right? They want to drive people that way, which I guess is fine, but I never go to the Apple TV app right now. I still don't. It's not my home base. I go to specific individual apps. I watch TV uh, through a cool app and an over-the-air digital antenna on my Apple TV. I use PlayStation View, obviously Netflix, and there's other specific apps that I use, NBA NBA TV, uh, NBA League Pass. Those are all done without, you can't do that in the Apple TV app. So there's a way to change it. If you go into your settings, you can go to the remotes and devices option. And then there's an option that says home button. When you see that, click on it and change it from the Apple TV app to the home screen. And then from now on, your Apple TV and tvOS 13 will work exactly the way it's worked for years. Four years until they did this update because, you know, they wanted to just, they were like, oh, we're going to keep on pushing you that way. We just want to keep on pushing you that way. So I would say make sure you absolutely make that change. All right, you know what time it is. It's time to take your calls to be a part of the show. All you have to do is record a voice memo, applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Record it, keep it around a minute, tell us your name, where you're from, and get right to it, your comments, your questions, your thoughts. Send it away, applebitsshow at gmail.com. So let's just get to the calls, and we're going to start off with my buddy, Matt. Hey, this is Matt out of Minneapolis calling in with my thoughts about upgrading my own iPhone. Looking at the list of features of my phone, I've got uh, I've got a headphone jack, I have no notch, I have 3D touch, and I have a new battery within the last two years. So until that 5G phone comes out, I really have no compelling reason to upgrade from this 6S. Okay, Matt, so... You're telling me you're not going to upgrade. Yeah, that that's what I'm getting at. But come on, everybody. Like I said, 2020 is the one, and Matt's more than happy with what he's got. All right, we got more calls talking iPhone. Hey, Brian, this is Suraj all the way from India. I have been following you when you were on CNET. I listen to your podcast now as and when I'm driving to and back from work. Um... Love your show. I love the things you guys have discussed uh, about the Apple 11, uh, Apple 11, sorry, the iPhone 11 event that just happened. Um, I totally agree with you guys that Apple has been a little subtle, but I think we're forgetting, and I know you know this, that smartphones have reached their peak when it comes to what more can you add in a phone. Uh, we've had Samsung kind of do a lot of experiments and things failing 
uh, I think Apple is doing the right thing and yes the upgrades are incremental but we're not realizing one thing that you don't always have to buy the latest there are many other options I am using an iPhone 10R and uh, very happy with the phone but I am definitely jumping for the iPhone 11 because that is something that I would want to use and I think uh, it may not be an upgrade from the iPhone XR, but it is something that I do year on year. I always upgrade, uh, and I'm and I'm not dissatisfied with Apple because they're not putting in amazing different features. I think they're coming up with services, and there's a lots going lot going on. And like I said, it's the peak. It's very difficult to make any changes to this rectangular slab. So I just wanted to share my thoughts with you and I wanted to shout out and tell you that you guys are doing an amazing work with the show. Uh, uh, love listening to you. I love your style. So keep it going and uh, thanks so much for whatever you do. <laughs> Take care, man. I, lo- I love that. He's like, Sarash, thank you. I, th- I believe it's Sarash. Thanks for whatever you do. Trust me, man. I am hustling. We're just building this bad boy up. All right. Let's get to Chris, who has more thoughts of his own. Hey, Brian, it's Chris from Ohio. Just wanted to comment on the new iPhone 11 lineup. I think the iPhone 11 looks great. I think that's going to be the phone that everyone buys, because I think $699 is a decent price point. And it has the features that everyone wants and I want. And the iPhone 11 Pro, I just refuse to pay over $1,000 for a phone, on principle. But the iPhone 11 is great, but I think I am going to stick with my 10R because the 10R is awesome. Battery life is great. You know, it does what I need it to do. And plus, my Apple Care doesn't expire until next year. So I'm just going to let that lapse. And hopefully, they'll release uh, the iPhone 12 with USB C, with 5G, and all that. So, yeah, I just thought it was me. So that's about it. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. I think what's interesting is that. People aren't looking at this phone that negatively, and I talked about in my review how the reason why you get so many glowing reviews about the iPhone, A, there's a certain group of people that get it early, but also it's coming from a perspective of creators, and they're going to look for the best tools that give them the ability to create more things, and that is exactly who that device is speaking to, and the reality is that most of the creators, I would argue 80 to 90% of them, are using the iPhone as their daily driver, right? Most of them are. So it makes sense they're gonna speak highly of it. But I do think it's really interesting. There's there's people that acknowledge that it's good and after they've seen the reviews, it's good, but they don't feel the urgency to upgrade. And then there's people that are like, no way, I love, trust me, I miss 3D Touch more than anyone else. And I, I've encouraged people that if you are happy with your phone, there is no need to upgrade. I'll tell you when it's like, hey, giddy up, get on this horse. This is absolutely the time for you all to upgrade. Because when it's there, it's going to be there. Like, And 2020 is absolutely that year. All right, let's check out uh, my boy, old earlier caller, Camada. Oh, hey, Brian. Uh, it's uh, Cameron Abrams calling again, your boy, Canada, or Camada, as you called on the last podcast. Uh, just calling in again with two things, Brian. One, I have an update for you. So shortly thereafter, I called in on the podcast the last time. Uh, Apple finally, after multiple layers of reaching through senior advisors and etc., and it involved that case involved like 30 different senior advisors, and I don't know how many other people at Apple. 
Apple was finally able to get me a express replacement of a new Apple Watch Series 4 replaced, did not have to realistically pay for anything. They voided all of the uh, charge for the Apple Care uh, Express replacement, which is a good Apple. So they were able to resolve it. So that's a good news story. Just on another uh, question for you, and I was uh, recently listening to the podcast as you were talking about, you know, Apple diversifying into more of its services rather than the iPhone because the iPhone is just not looking as impressive as it was and maybe that's our own standard of looking at things. I'm just wondering though, you know, Apple looking to get into Apple TV Plus, you know, in your conversation about Disney Plus. Disney Plus is a far more superior platform by and large. Do you think Apple should not be getting into streaming services and should go back because it's been in so many things to go back and focus on products that it makes well? Go back to that Steve Jobs era of just making the best product, not making as many products as you should. Just a suggestion for an Apple. All right, Brian. Anyway, love the show. Hope to hear from you. Bye. Oh, Canada. Our home in Nate. <laughs> I don't know the rest. I literally, I, I'm not Canadian. I'm sorry, guys. But you know what? I think you make a great point here. This is how I feel about it. It always comes down to the philosophy and the thinking of the company. Now, what is Apple's philosophy? Is it really to make the best products? The answer is, I would say they're telling themselves that, but we've seen that hasn't been the case. At least, I would say specifically the past three or four years, you've really started to see how as they've grown the deterioration of you know quality of software and then some quality of products, but do they still have arguably the best polish of other companies still to this day overall in general? I would say yes. Now, when it comes to services, I'm actually okay with them pursuing these other services because that requires a different skill set from a standpoint of this is content distribution, this is UI, this is app developing, this is user experience, and this is getting a different type of brain to push these services out versus when you hear stories about how, oh, we had to take our entire team off of the, or we had to re-divert resources from the you know, iPhone team to go work on the Apple Watch to make it a priority. And then we had to put other people on the Apple Watch or you know, pull, pull people from different areas. And then there becomes less focus on a product category because of that. Now, Apple sitting on over $200 billion of cash. They can really do whatever they want. I think for me, I'd like to see a more focused physical product line. And also now that they're throwing this whole word pro around where it really means different things depending on different products, I really like to see that kind of simplified consumer and pro model. They're making more money than they've ever made before. And if that's to me, if that's what's going to make investors happy and that's the driving philosophy that Tim Cook wants to make them happy and really he doesn't have to answer for, oh, why aren't you this creative genius as much? He can always just say, look, we're making more money than we ever had. That's almost the best defense to not having the great mind of Steve Jobs is just run a well-oiled machine that's a great business and continues to make money. Because at the end of the day, a business's job is to make money, to pay its employees, to grow profits, blah, 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 all the non-fun stuff. So I just wish they'd simplify their product line and we don't see, what is it, six, five or six iPhone models still available on sale, but they're making a lot of money off of that. They're making margins. Come on, 
Tim Cook put out the the latest iPad Mini that did nothing but use old parts and put a little bumped up processor in it because their margins are they're going to make their margins. Same thing with the 10.2 inch iPad that you're like, come on, there's nothing special about that, but it's an entry level 299 iPad that can get someone who might have had the original iPad or iPad two and be like, you know what, I want to upgrade, but I don't want to get the iPad Pro. They're trying to make the best product at every price point, but that's different than making the best product. We've talked about it on the show. Services, I'm actually okay with. You know, services, what makes Apple a unique company is that because their revenue is coming from all these different places, their revenue comes from products, their revenue comes from services. Apple TV could literally be a completely non-profit venture for them for four to five years before they have to actually decide to kill it and crush it. Netflix and Hulu and others, their revenue comes from subscribers, from subscriptions. Apple will get some revenue from subscriptions, but they don't need it to survive. So that's why I think Apple TV Plus is fascinating. I think it's gonna be around for a long time. I think it's gonna be a long play. And Apple hopes in that time they're able to get enough compelling, award-winning, critically acclaimed hits that people will then not be able to not look at Apple TV+. But until then, oh, Disney Plus is where it's at. And I'm not getting paid by... People are like, you talk about Disney Plus so highly, it's because it's that good. So we'll see what happens. All right, next up, let's hear from Lucas. Hey, Brian, it's Lucas from Australia. Uh, Well, after watching the keynote, I finally, after years of holding out, bought an Apple Watch. And the thing that got me across the line was the always-on display. That is a killer feature. Because, I mean, how often are you out to dinner or you might be at a work meeting and you don't want to make it obvious that you're checking the time. You know, you don't want to flick your wrist up. um, But you do want to know what the time is. So, to me, that is a killer feature. And I also like being able to uh, look at the different options online with the studio setup. You know, you can check the different bands and see how it's going to look. So I ended up choosing um, a metal band, which looked a whole lot better. The only thing I didn't like was the the extra cost if you get the titanium or the ceramic models. Like here in Australia, the titanium one, which I really liked, would have cost me uh, $700 more. I just can't justify that. The ceramic one is selling for over $2,000 here in Australia. So, again, that that is just too much of a markup. But, all right, love the show. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, you know, we sometimes forget, and some, another caller made this um, call and just kind of talked about the pricing of how different it is in different countries and that it's like, what, like, what are you doing, right? Apple what? You know, you know what I'm talking about. So I think it's a good reminder, Lucas, like it's just not necessarily the pricing makes sense, especially when you talk about these higher design materials for the Apple Watch. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? The titanium, did they really have to make the titanium finish $100 more than stainless steel and say it's a, a little bit lighter? I think they just did it just to do it because they needed it to feel new specifically for the Series 4 to the Series 5. But yeah, I know sometimes when you look at those prices, sheesh, we got people talking about the $1,000 phone all the time. They're just like... Apple what? All right, next call. James wants to talk some Apple TV. What's up, BTZ? It's James here from Virginia again. I just wanted to talk about Apple TV+. Plus. I like everything that they're doing with it, from being $5 for the whole family 
Um, giving you Apple TV Plus free for a year if you buy one of those new devices. All of that is great. The thing is, I just don't think they have enough content to be competitive with the other streaming platforms that's already out there. Like for myself, I already subscribe to Hulu and Netflix. And on Hulu, I have live TV. So that's also my cable service. So you already know on in November when Disney Plus comes out and they offer that bundle, that's what I'm going with. There's just no room in my subscriptions to be able to get Apple TV Plus. Plus, I just don't think that they have the content to be competitive with these other services. Your thoughts? James, I 100% agree with you. And I also 100% think that Apple doesn't care from a standpoint of, yeah, they want subscribers, but they know they don't have the content. But they know that they have the financial backing to just go for the long run, the long play. And we'll see, we'll see how, we'll see what happens. But if they didn't give me a year free for buying an Apple product, there's no way, there is no way I would even really try Apple TV Plus other than the month. So they're going to have to come out with better content. There's rumblings that they might be in, in the works behind the scenes of acquiring Sony Pictures. And why this is interesting and important, because let's, let's talk about it, nerds, just real quickly, is that we know how Sony and Marvel Studios fought over the rights to Spider-Man. They had a deal that was good. Marvel wanted more revenue or share of the profits. They proposed a new deal. Sony's like, no, we don't want to do it. Then they were like, okay, everyone's freaking out. Sony and Marvel, Spider-Man goes back to Sony. That's true. Then there was another report that Sony had offered kind of a middle ground where instead of Marvel wanting half of all the profits, they'd go, Marvel would get 30%. And and Sony was like, okay, that's fine. But all of a sudden it became silent, quiet because there were talks that Apple's maybe looking for a movie studio and they need content so that they, they need a library of content. The Disney library, just on pure nostalgia, already trumps anything that uh, Apple can put out there. But under the terms of the original agreement when Sony Pictures got the Spider-Man license, if Sony is ever to be bought or acquired by another company, the rights to the Marvel characters that they have instantly go back to Marvel if they're purchased or sold. So if Apple acquired Sony Pictures, then Spider-Man would go back to the Marvel Studio side for no cost. So that's why also, according to reports and rumblings, this is all on hold right now. And at the end of the day, I don't even care. I think it's trash that you have a man, Stanley, who enabled these companies to make millions and billions of dollars. And you got two companies that have nothing to do with Stanley fighting over this. It's, you know what? Fans want to see it back to Marvel. Marvel actually kind of looks more of like the bad guy, but I'm just more disappointed that the only reason these two studios even have this pool and have any leverage to fight over money is because of what Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and many others, OG comic book writers and artists created. And yes, Stan Lee's the godfather. I'm a big comic book junkie, so that's why it bothers me, but I'm going to get off my soapbox now, all right? All right. Thanks, James. You know what? James was so good that he broke up his two calls into two topics and kept them under a minute. I'm going to 
use the last call on another James call. What's going on, Brian? It's James from Virginia. Let's talk about it. Apple Arcade, $5 for the whole family. Thank you, Apple. I'm so happy that they did that. And a 30-day free trial. I'm definitely going to check that out. I just hope that they have console-level games in the Apple Arcade and not just mobile gaming because that's not what I'm here for. So we'll check it out over those 30 days and, and see what's really going on with it. Hey, James, I, I know you're listening, my man. I'm I want to hear you. I would love for you to call back and tell me now what you think of Apple Arcade because the trial is out. I'm personally, I just don't have enough time to game, but the trial, oh my gosh, it's a great service. For $4.99, if you're a gamer and a mobile gamer and you can split it with family, this, again, this is a killer service. It it reminds me of kind of like Xbox Live Arcade, but for Apple. And that and that's absolutely, absolutely a good thing. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Apple Arcade, yeah, they get in the good Apple. Yeah! That's an easy no-brainer. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. So much stuff that we talked about. Had to get through a lot of calls that came up from, honestly, right after the keynote all the way because we had some interviews with people about the products. We did the Apple iPhone review last week with Ray Wong. Um, We will do one for the Apple Watch Series 5. So stick around for that. But again, be a part of the show. Call in. Use the voice memo app. Record it and send it away to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. Also, thank you so much to our Platinum Apple Patreon supporters, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatikar. Good Lord. Thank you so much for all of your support. And remember, you can support this show at patreon.com slash Tong, starting at $2. But for those of you that don't, I would still really appreciate it if you continue to give it a five-star review on iTunes or the podcast platform of your choice, whether it's Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, whatever your tune in, give it a great five-star rating. And then also put in a review because it helps in the algorithm. Share it with your friends. That is the one way that if you can't support this monetarily, that you can also help boost the exposure that this show gets. So thank you everyone for listening. That's going to do it for this week. We will obviously be back next week. But there you have it. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.